Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are, for how greatly you love us. In your word it says, God is love. We thank you for that love that you have poured out on us. Lord, if we haven't seen it or felt it, Lord, I pray that you would tune our hearts to be aware of your love for us, even right now as we look into your word. Lord, we pray that you would fill us with the Holy Spirit to hear from you, to hear what you want our lives to be like. And Lord, I pray that words would be given me to say as I try to explain what your word means. Lord, your word is so powerful. May we hear from you as we look into it together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to start out with scripture verses today that are so wonderful. Um, If you've been walking with God for a while, you've certainly heard these verses. I hope that you'd have them memorized. If you've never heard these verses, it is my great pleasure to say these verses to you for the first time, but I'm guessing many of you, most of you, have heard them many times before. Jesus replied in Matthew 22, 37, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. It was an answer to a question. He gave a second answer to the question in verse 39 when he said, Love your neighbor as yourself. These are the masterpieces, these verses. We're going to leave these verses up on the screen here for a little while. Um, I, have an, I have an illustration I want to use. I don't often preach to you about how I preach or why I preach, but I want to do a little bit of it here because I want to give you um, a little insight into how we view Scripture here at Cornerstone and, and what its place is. Um, these verses are the star of the show today. Okay? Um, the illustration I want to use is I want you to picture that you're going to an art museum. And your intention in going to the art museum is to look at the artwork. Now, as you're entering the the art museum, maybe you're you're at the ticket booth, and you see that there's going to be a guided tour that's just starting in in just a few minutes. And you say, oh, that might be neat. I might like to have a guided tour to to learn some things, maybe about the artwork that I didn't know before, to learn some tidbits, or maybe there's things that I've known before but I've forgotten. And and maybe my experience of the artwork will be enhanced a little bit by, by going through it with a tour guide. So you decide to go through this, this museum with this tour guide. Now, you would expect that that tour guide would, would emphasize the artwork, that, that you would walk through the museum and every once in a while he would just say some things to you about what that artwork means and that the whole time your, your attention would be fixed on the artwork itself because that's the experience that you were hoping to have as you went to the museum. Although, think about it like this. Think if you went to that guided tour and the tour guide came out and said, okay, everybody into this room, and he takes you into some small drab side room, and the tour was set for one hour, and for the first 59 minutes, he did nothing except talk about the artwork. And then he looked at his watch and said, oh, whoops, sorry, we should take a quick one-minute tour of the artwork. I think we'd all be disappointed with that kind of a tour. Although I would like to say, I've sat through sermons where I've heard somebody preach script or read scripture for about 30 seconds and then go on from there and just give their own opinions. That's not what we want to do here at Cornerstone. The, the star of the show is scripture. It's, it's God and what he has revealed to us. As a preacher, it is my job to emphasize God's word. And one of the reasons I want to give this illustration today is because I feel like what I'm going to say, I, I guarantee you, I'll give you a guarantee right to start it with, what I have to say about these verses will not be better than these verses. And another thing that I would like to say about these verses then, and this is, uh, don't, don't go crazy with this one, what I'm about to tell you, but if you want to tune me out and, and just listen to God while, you're, while I'm preaching, 
go ahead. If you're going to listen to God's voice by, by listening to Scripture, by meditating on Scripture as I preach, um, I'm okay with that. Now, I would hope that I'm a better preacher than that, that I have some things to say that can help you understand Scripture. But, but really, my job is, I'm just a tour guide here. And, and this Scripture is to be the star of the show. Um, I've, I've talked about preaching with other pastors quite a bit, and I have one saying that uh, some of the other pastors picked up on, and it's this. I may have preached bad sermons, but I've never preached bad scripture. Um, I think somebody quoted me saying that Eric has preached bad sermons. I said, no, I may have preached bad sermons. I don't know. The point here isn't about how good my words are. The point here is that we would focus on God and and on his word. And especially today, as we look at these wonderful verses, again, I promise you that I have nothing better to say than what Jesus has already said. That when we think about loving the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and mind, those words should cut us to the heart, and we should, each one of us, spend a great amount of time searching our souls to see how we're doing at this verse. And as we think about loving our neighbor as ourselves, again, we should think about what does my love for my neighbor look like? Now, it's interesting. I, uh, I emailed our leadership team earlier this week and I said, do you have any, do you have any help for me on these verses? Um, every once in a while, there's some verses in Scripture that I feel are so important that I just feel like, well, what do I have to say? So I said, well, let's see what the leadership team has to say. And it was interesting. A couple of the responses that some from the leadership team gave from this was what I'm feeling as well, but they said, I feel like I don't live up to these verses. That, that what God calls us to in these verses is so important, and the standard is so high that I just feel like I, I on my own, do not live up. So let's be reminded here, even before we get too far in, that Christianity is not our attempt to please God so much that that we earn our salvation for ourselves. That's not at all what Christianity is about. Christianity starts with the love of God. So as we look at these commands to love the Lord our God and to love our neighbor as ourselves, please know that the foundation of it is that God loves us. And, And yes, we will not in our own humanity, be able to live out these commands on our own. But we have a God who loves us and will transform our hearts. So part of the encouragement I hope for you all today is that as you think about how you are to love God and how you are to love your neighbor, is that as you meet with God, he will transform your heart and to mold you into a more loving person so that you can love God and that you can love your neighbor. And when we fall short... That's where we go to God because he loves us so much. He's so gracious to us that he will forgive us for those, for those times when we have sinned against the Lord or when we have sinned against our neighbor. So Christianity is about the perfect love relationship that God invites us into with him. So we start there with the love of God. And from there, recognizing God's love for us, recognizing that he strengthens us, then we seek to love God with all our heart, soul, and mind. Then we seek to love our neighbor as ourselves. We look at these commands that God gives us and and we seek to line up with what he has revealed to us. So three questions real quick to start out. Have you received the love of God? Have you invited Jesus to take his rightful place as Savior and Lord? That's the beginning of this. We're not going to be able to do... to to love God or to love our neighbor if we haven't entered into a love relationship with God by receiving Jesus. So have you received Jesus as your Savior and as your Lord? Have you recognized how much God loves you and wants you to be with him forever? That's the first question. Then the second and the third questions are what does it mean to love God like this 
And what does it mean to love our neighbors like this? That's what this passage is about. That's what I want to talk about. But I don't want to forget about the love of God before we enter into these things. Because we won't be able to do this in our own power. We're going to need God's help and God's love. Um, let me say a few words now about why I've picked these verses for today. In my mind, it's a, it's, it's a sermon series, although I just kind of realized on Friday that it's going to be a sermon series, and it actually includes last Sunday's sermon. Josh, Pastor Josh didn't know that he was preaching as part of this sermon series when he preached it, but it all fits in together. So here's how it works. Uh, Pastor Josh last Sunday preached from Luke 10, 38 to 42. If you weren't here last Sunday, and maybe even have your Bible with you, I invite you to turn there. In that passage, uh, Pastor Josh walked us through a story about two women who had Jesus over at their house. One of them, Martha, was so distracted by all the things that she thought needed to be done. And, and, and we get that like that, right? We, we think that, oh, there's so many things that I have to get done in my life. And Martha was busy with all those things, and she even asked Jesus to reprimand Mary, who was just sitting there with Jesus. Lord, tell her to help out. What did Jesus say? That Mary had chosen what was better. He said there are many things that Martha was concerned about, but there was only one thing that was needed, and that one thing was being with Jesus. So th- this sermon series that we're doing now, I'm calling it First Things First. We need, to get our, we need to get our first priorities right. We need to meet with Jesus as a way of life. And then to, as we move into today, to today's sermon, uh, First Things First, and the idea today is love. That, that God loves us, and we are to love him in return, and we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. In the coming weeks, I want to focus on some other things that the Bible says are going to be important in our walk with the Lord. But in today's passage, an expert in the law came up to Jesus and asked him a question about what was most important. I want to read for you now the first part of his interaction with Jesus. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Throughout the Gospels, people came up to Jesus with questions. Sometimes they really wanted to know the answer to those questions. Other times they were trying to trap him. They were trying to get Jesus to say something that would contradict God so they would have a reason to, to reject him. In fact, the word tested here in verse 35 is uh, the word that's translated as trap in verse 18 where Jesus scolded the people for trying to trap him. So you can kind of sense what was going on as people were coming to Jesus with these questions. Although in the parallel passage here in the Gospel of Mark, when this interaction occurs, Jesus has kind words to say for the man who asked this question. So um, we don't know exactly what's going on there. Maybe he kind of intended to trap Jesus at the beginning, and then maybe he realized Jesus' wisdom at the end. I don't know exactly what's going on there. But let me say this. If you have a question for God, anybody ever had a, raise your hand if you've ever had a question for God. And, and raise your hand if you've ever had a question for God that took longer to get an answer for than you really wanted. And my hand is really high up on that one, okay? Um, if you have a question for God, please know that God has a good answer. Okay? Sometimes we come up with our questions for God and we, we almost uh, bring them to him like accusations. And I want you to know that God has a good answer for your questions if we will humble ourselves before him and listen. So a really important part of our faith journey with God is that we trust that he is good and that he leads us in good ways and that he really does love us and, and have our best interests in mind. Now, it's, it's not that God will just give us whatever we might think we want or answer whatever question we might think we might want to have an answer to. It's that God leads us in ways that are good. So we trust in him. 
So this question that this guy asked was actually a common question. There were 613 laws in the Old Testament, and Jewish leaders were debating which one was the most important. It's almost like they were looking for the Notes version of the Old Testament. It's hard to remember 613 laws. Can you give us just one? And, you know, it's interesting. We might have expected Jesus to say, well, they're all important. Follow all of them. But he was pleased to answer that question by giving these two answers. And here again are his two answers. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Jesus' answer focused on love. Love for God and love for others. All of the law and the prophets, that is to say all of the Old Testament, hang on these two commands, to love God and to love others. I'm sure that many of you know the Greek word that's behind this word love. It's the famous word agape. It's the unconditional love that God has for us. And here's again where I would say that that we don't live up to this perfectly. No human, aside from Jesus of course, has ever lived up to these commands perfectly. Yet that's still what God asks us to do. And I... I was talking with someone earlier today about that. I I love that God doesn't lower the standard. I love that he doesn't see how bad we are at loving and say, okay, I've changed my mind. It's okay if you mess up a certain number of times. I like that God says, love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. Yes, there's grace for when we fall short of that, but the standard is the perfection of God, and, and that should be our standard in our lives. And since we're talking about the perfection of God, let's again, because I, I think this is important, as we're thinking about how we're going to love God and love others, let's think about the love of God for us. And we have to go no further than perhaps the most famous verse in the New Testament, John 3.16, that says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's God's heart for us. That's God's heart even for sinners who are living in rebellion against him. He loves them. God loves us so much that he did exactly what was needed for us to be rescued. You see, we all were those people, those rebels, who had picked our own path, who had charted our own course away from God, and left to ourselves that would have meant eternal separation from God. But God loved us so much that he sent Jesus for us. And Jesus loves us so much that he willingly offered his life for us. So as we think about how we're supposed to love God and how we're supposed to love others, let's remember that God has already shown that love to us. That's again why, I think back to last Sunday's sermon, why we should just be sitting at the feet of Jesus as a regular pattern of our lives to learn God's love for us. Because we won't be able to love God or love others if we're not meeting with God, if we're not living in his love. So let's take a look at these two commands, to love God and to love our neighbors. I want to start with the second because... Uh, I want to finish with what Jesus said was the first and greatest. I do think there's an order to these. I read one theologian who said that um, he thinks that they're, they're equal. I, I tend to look at the, what Jesus said in verse 38 when he said this is the first and greatest. I think that's the most important. And I think that love your neighbor is the second most important. Not to take away from love your neighbor, but I, in my mind, it flows from loving the Lord. Um, so I want to I go in reverse order so that we can end with what is first and greatest. So, Jesus said the second command here is to love your neighbor as yourself. He was quoting Leviticus 19.18. Now, there are different ways that you can count quotes in the Bible. The the New Testament often quotes the Old Testament. Sometimes it's word for word. Other times it's just, you know, a part of a verse that's quoted. Other times it's just kind of an illusion. So there's different ways to count it. But if you're counting direct quotes, 
like Old Testament scripture taken word for word, quoted in New Testament. As far as I can tell, this is the number one most quoted verse. So it must be important. Love your neighbor as yourself. And it's so great, isn't it? We all want to be loved. Can you imagine if all of your neighbors loved you perfectly, the way that God loves you? Wouldn't that be a great life? We all want this kind of love. So it makes sense that that God would ask us to give that kind of love to other people. And it also makes sense. I think we all, most of us, have have an easy time understanding that God loves us. Although maybe some of you don't. And let me just say, God does love you. Even if you've messed up, even if you've made bad choices, God loves you. But also God loves your neighbor. And he loves your neighbor more than we do. So as God intends to share his love with your neighbors, think about this. One of the ways that he does that is to use you as a channel for his love. So one of the purposes of of us loving our neighbors is that God would show his love to our neighbors. Because that's what God wants to do and he wants to use us in the process. So what does it mean to love our neighbors? I actually think it's really simple. It means looking at them with eyes of compassion. It means getting to know them so that you know their needs. Getting to know what's going on in their lives and actually caring about what's going on in their lives. I I think one of the easiest ways to love our neighbors is just simply to, to get involved in their lives, to listen to them, to ask them questions about how things are going. And as you hear how things are going, God will show you how, how to show love to them. Um, I remember you know, a, a year and a half ago, as Christine and I, our family was going through a difficult time uh, at the diagnosis and then the eventual death of her sister, there were so many people, including so many of you, that just asked us how we were doing or said you were praying for us or, or maybe gave a gift card so we could you know, do a quick meal at McDonald's if we needed to on the way out of town or something. We felt so loved by the things that you did. And, and I think that's, to me, that's a great picture, just knowing our neighbors well enough that we see what's going on, that we care about them, and that we would love them. And, and I think about this, too, in regard to the, the greatest need that our neighbors have, their need to know Jesus. We should love our neighbors so well that, that we would point them towards Jesus. If they already know Jesus, that we would help them grow in their faith. If they don't already know Jesus, that we would point them to the one who truly loves them. We're going to talk a little bit more about that on a couple of Sundays. That's the plan in this. Um, But for now, I just want to talk in general about application for love for our neighbor. And the question is very simple. Do you love your neighbor? Do you love your neighbor? One of the ways we can ask this question is, what have you done lately to go out of your way to show love for your neighbor? You see... I I think that we would all like to say that we love our neighbor, but sometimes the rubber doesn't meet the road, if you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes we say we love them, but we haven't done anything to actually show our love to them. Let's not settle for that. That's a lesser form of love than what God has done for us. Let's, Let's actively love our neighbors. So do you go out of your way? Do you intend to get to know your neighbors, to love them? Or another way I want to look at this is, um, how do you treat the people that are close to you? Um... I I tell my kids this often, that your closest neighbors are the people you live with. So when we think about neighbors, don't just think about people who are physically, like, next door to you. I want you to think about anybody you come in contact with, and now I I want you to think specifically about your family. Um, I've heard some people say, all my coworkers like me, all my friends like me, why doesn't my family like me? And what I usually want to say to people like that is, how are you treating your family? Um, And and here, I, I have a... I don't intend this to be harsh unless it needs to be harsh for you. So please listen up to this. 
There are some people who treat their family really poorly, and, and they feel justified for doing so. They, they feel like, well, my family just doesn't get me. Everybody else gets me. Everybody else is nice to me, and my family is just mean to me. And that gives me the right, then, to treat them poorly or to treat them with distance. And let me say this. There are no bonus points for treating your family poorly, okay? None at all. Um, although it's so easy to fall into that, there's a, there's a saying that familiarity breeds contempt. What it means is that is that sometimes the people we're the meanest to are the people we're the closest to. And if that's you, snap out of it, all right? If, if you recognize that you're not treating your family very well, you are not loving your neighbor as yourself. You have an opportunity right now, and here's the good news, you can just go to God. If, if, if you ever fall short in any of this, love for neighbor or love for God, we just talk to God. We say, God, I'm sorry for how I have not loved, for example, how I've not loved my family. God, would you please forgive me and give me the strength to love my family the way that I should? So I want you all to think about how are you loving your family? Are you treating them the way that God would have you treat them? God loves them. He doesn't need you to be snarky with them or to point out all of their faults in a, in a disapproving sort of a way. God puts us in each other's lives so that we can show his love to each other. Are you loving your neighbor? Okay. If we truly love God, we would love our neighbor because that's the way this is supposed to work. Um, one of the word pictures I have for this is that God's love is to so fill us that it overflows to all the people around us. So as we're moving now from the second commandment to the greatest commandment, we've been analyzing our love, and if we see that there's anything off in our love, what I would suggest is that it comes from a lack of love for God. So if you haven't loved your neighbor or your family the way that you should, there's also probably something wrong in your love for God. And I want to address now this idea of love for God, because Jesus said that we are to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. He was quoting here from Deuteronomy 6.5, Deuteronomy 6 might be the most famous passage in the Old Testament, perhaps not in our day, but back in Jesus' day, faithful Jews would recite from Deuteronomy 6 twice per day, in the morning and in the evening. It's a famous passage in which God uh, told his people to talk about his commands. Remember this? They were to do this when they were on the road and when they were at home. They were to do this when they were lying down and when they would get up. It's a Hebrew way of saying all the time. They would take two opposites, like day and night. So if I say that I want you to do something day and night, I don't just mean that I want you to do it at noon and then again at midnight. I want you to do it all the time. So that's what's going on here in Hebrew. When, we're, when they were to talk about God's commandments at home and on the road, when they lie down and when they get up, it meant the entire day, their whole lives were, be, were to be centered around God's word and what he had revealed to his people. And in that passage in Deuteronomy 6, God told his people that they are to love him with all their heart and soul and strength. Um, Now, it's interesting. It's quoted a little differently. If you look at the Gospel of Mark, it has the word strength. Here it has heart, soul, and mind. Um, I don't think the important part here is to parse out those individual things. What does it mean with my heart and my soul and my mind? I think it's actually a little bit more simple, and what we're just going to do today is to focus on the word all. We are to love the Lord with all with everything about us. And this is, again, where I feel that I fall short. I, as I talk about loving the Lord with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, I want to do that. I just know that I haven't. So that's where, again, we come to God, we, we confess what we have done or not done, and we ask Him for the strength that we would love the way that He wants us to love. 
what we're getting at here is a wholehearted devotion to God. It says that we're to love the Lord. I often say here, and maybe I'll do it as a quiz here, what does the word Lord mean? It means master, right? You guys know that one? If he's the master, that means that he's in control. And if we are to love him with all of our heart, it means that we recognize that we give our lives to him in everything we do, every single part of our lives. All is to be completely given over to God. Our hearts fully devoted to him in a love relationship that encompasses our relationships with everybody that we would come in contact with as well. That, in, that has to do even when we're by ourselves. It's that heart that is devoted to honoring and pleasing God in all that we do. Is that where your heart is at right now? Is your heart inclined to honor God in everything? See, the best life for us is one in which we recognize that God's in control and we give ourselves fully to Him and He leads us in good ways. He will give us a life of love and joy and peace as we trust in Him. God loves us perfectly. We are to love Him in return with with a pure, perfect love. Because God loves us, we should love Him. This is the first and greatest commandment. Now, um, let me just... I don't often try to stand as a cultural observer. I don't, I don't always feel like I'm the most in tune with the culture to be able to do this. But I feel like there's something missing in our American culture in regard to these two great commands. Isn't it interesting that even non-Christians pick up on this command to love your neighbor as yourself? In fact, they might, they might look at us and say, hey, how come you're not doing that? And what I would say is, well, we should. I'm sorry. If we haven't loved our neighbor as ourselves, we're missing the boat. But all too often, people treat that second command like it's the greatest command. And they forget about the command to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. In fact, I remember asking somebody, what does it mean to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind? And uh, he said, well, you know, I try to be a good person. I try to love people. And I said, great, that's actually the second command. What about the first? How do we obey the first and greatest command to love the Lord our God? What does it mean for us to do that? So let's... Yes, we should be kind people. We should love our neighbor as ourselves. But don't forget there's something even greater than that, to love the Lord our God, to regularly sit at his feet, to worship him, to let him show his love to us so that when we seek to love our neighbors, that we're not just doing it in our own strength, we're doing it in the strength that God provides us. So what does it mean to love God like that? Um, Again, in looking ahead to this sermon, here's where I felt like my words are just going to fall short. So what I decided to do, instead of coming up with my list of things, just my list of things, I want to look at another passage of Scripture, a really important one. So if if I'm like the tour guide at the art museum, we've been staring at these two masterpieces, to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. I want to take us into a different room now and look at another piece of art. Um, it's John 15, 1 through 12. If you have your Bibles with you, I encourage you to turn there. Although it's a parable, so it's actually really easy to listen to, uh, even if you don't have your Bibles with you. John 15, 1 through 12. I want to read these, and I want to point out three things from this passage that would tell us how we can love God the way we should. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. 
Now I want you to listen for the word remain. It's going to show up a bunch of times in the rest of this passage. Verse 4, remain in me and I will remain in you. Some of your translations say abide. Same thing. It's to, to be with. Verse 4, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in, my, remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. So again, three things I want to point out from this passage about how we can love God, what our love for God should look like. Number one, if we love someone, we spend time with them. Let me use an obvious example here. When Christine and I were dating, uh, we had two months to live in the same city. I was on staff with Campus Crusade for Christ. I was in between my assignments, and I had two months to live in Fergus Falls, and our first date was on the first day of those two months. So I remember praying to God, God, if you want me to, to marry this woman, I'd be glad to invest my time getting to know her this summer. It was no sacrifice for me to spend time with Christine that summer. It was what I wanted to do, and uh, I spent a lot of time with her. And one of the things that I would do is I would go to her place of work. She was the secretary at Bethel Church. I would go there pretty much every lunch hour and pick her up and we would do lunch together. And as we're doing that, I'd, I'd interact with some of the pastors there. And uh, after a while of this, I remember I, I went in one day and I was talking with Pastor Viam, who was the, the senior pastor at that time. And I said to him, I think I, I really like Christine. And I, I remember what he said to me. He said, Eric, we all know that. <laughs> Uh, it was no problem for me to spend time with Christine because I was falling in love with her and, and still am. And uh, when you love someone, you spend time with them. Look at what Jesus said in that vein. In verse 9, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. And then also in verse 4, he said, Remain in me and I will remain in you. We are to stick with Jesus. As a branch stays connected to the vine, so we are to remain in Jesus. And one of the ways I like to say this is that we do life with God. So do you love God so much that you eagerly seek Him, that you spend time with Him? Uh, sometimes we get into this, this rut in our walk with God where we feel like meeting with God is a chore. And, and listen, it's okay, we're human, so we're not going to do this perfectly. But if you're there, I just want to encourage you to, to go to God again and just tell Him what's going on and, and get back to that place where you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and where you're, you're glad to remain in Him. And on this note, I want to address the kids in the congregation for just a little bit. And adults, you listen too, because it's for you as well. But kids, I want to ask you a question. Do you love God more than anything or anyone else? We all have things that we like to do in life, right? Uh, we all have dreams and plans for our lives. We all have fun stuff. Raise, kids, raise your hand if you like to do fun stuff, okay? Well, yeah, all right. Some of the adults too, good. We all like to do fun stuff. We all want other people to like us. And have you ever noticed how easy it is just to think about those things? Just to think about the things that you want to do or just to think about how other people think about you? Do you love God 
more than all that other stuff. I want to show you a verse that, that at first it might seem like it's kind of a harsh verse, but actually it's a really beautiful verse because it reminds us about where our love for God should be. In 1 John 2.15 it says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now don't misunderstand these verses. There are other Bible verses that tell us it's okay for us to enjoy things of the earth as long as we're doing them with God. As long as we're, we're thankful for them, and we should enter into them with an attitude of prayer. So it's not saying that we shouldn't enjoy the stuff of this world, but what it is doing is it's comparing how much we love God with how much we love the stuff of this world. And what should be first, kids? Love for God. So is that where your heart is at? Do you love God with all your heart and soul and mind? Do we do everything that we do trusting that God's ways are best? Trusting that, that he will give us joy and peace as we walk with him. And, and adults, I could ask you the same question. Do you love God with everything you have? I, I was thinking about Scotty. What did he say? I'm, I'm giving her all she's got, Captain. Do you love God with everything you've got? All of your everything. And again, boy, sometimes I feel like a hypocrite when I stand up here and preach because I, I say things that I want to be true of me and I just know they're not always true of me but again the standard is God's perfect love that we would love him with a perfect love do you love God with all you have do you remain in Jesus do you love him first second thing from this passage if we love God we should obey him in John 15.10 Jesus said if you obey my commands you will remain in my love just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in His love. The world doesn't really get this one. The world does not get this connection between obedience and love. But there's a perfect connection for, for those of us who have received Jesus as our Lord and our Master. We have recognized that He loves us even more than we love ourselves. He has a perfect love for us. We recognize that His ways are better than our ways. So think about it. If God loves us perfectly and His ways are best, what should we do then? We should obey Him. That life is going to be the best life for us when we trust in Him. So, there's this obedience that we should have in our lives. And when I think about this obedience, I think of two things. One is getting to know what God wants us to obey. To obey and the second is to actually obey it. So, so, two steps here. One, the first one, that we would get to know what God wants us to obey. That's where God's Word is so important. That's why I'm such a big fan of us putting ourselves before an open Bible. That's what we do here when we, when we have sermons. That's why I'm just a tour guide when I'm preaching, and I, I really want you to know Scripture. That's why I encourage you on your own to spend time in God's Word. I want to challenge you again. Did anybody make a, a New Year? You don't have to raise your hand here. Anybody make a New Year's resolution to be in God's Word every day? If you haven't made that New Year's resolution yet, maybe you should. To spend time before God's word, listening to what he has for you, trusting that it's best. But that's just the first step. Because even a non-Christian could make that resolution, could, could read the Bible every day. But what we want to do is to be people who meet with God, whose hearts are humble before him and who seek to obey him. So that when we open God's word, it's not just an academic experience, it's us, our souls, meeting with God, listening to what he has for us trusting that if he gives us a command it's going to be good for us to follow so is that where your heart is at that do you love God so much that you are eager to obey him eager to learn from him even if it's something that, that you need to be corrected on 
Praise the Lord for that. Shouldn't we praise the Lord for those times when we're not doing it quite right and He sends His Word or maybe He sends one of His children to tell you that you're not doing it quite right? Praise the Lord that He loves us so much that He wants us to be on the right path. Because if we love God, we will obey Him. This means obeying God in the big choices in life. But it also means obeying God in those little, everyday choices in life. And if our heart is set on honoring God like that, you know what God's going to do? He's going to lead us. Um, as, we, as we seek to figure out what God's will is for our lives, do you know the best way to figure out God's will? Love Him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Walk with Him as closely as you can, and God will lead you and guide you into what He has for you. Let's get to know God's word and let's be happy to obey it. And then number three, if we love God, we will bear fruit. This is cool um, because this is what God will do in us as we walk with him. Jesus said in John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. We all want our lives to count for something, right? Every single one of us. We want to be able to look back and say, oh yeah, look what I did. Now, we shouldn't do that in a prideful sense but we should do that in the sense of we trust that God is so powerful that he can use even us in his plans. Now, we can't bear this kind of fruit on our own. It would be ridiculous to think that a branch could be cut off from the tree and then produce fruit on its own. That's not the way it works. We need to, be, to remain connected to the vine. But if we do, it's God's work to give us that kind of fruit. So whether we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit or the fruit of righteousness, or the fruit of truth, or the fruit of helping other people know Jesus and grow in their faith, God can and will produce this kind of fruit in us as we remain in Jesus. That's the life I want us all to live, where we love God so much that we are eager to stay close to Him, to walk with Him in all that we do, and He produces the fruit in and through us. It's really a wonderful life that I want us all to live. Okay, to wrap this thing up here. I've, I've tried to highlight what it means for us to love, to love God and to love others. Again, here are those, those beautiful verses. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. Those, those are the stars of the show today. If anything, if you leave here with anything, I hope it's with what God has placed on your heart about how you should love him and love others. My prayer is that you will live out these verses far better than what I have been able to explain here in my feeble attempts at a sermon today. God can use his word to change your life. He is the God of love. He loves you. And as you meet with him, he will transform and shape your heart to love him more. And as you love him more, he will strengthen you to love your neighbors more in that overflowing kind of love. Because if we truly love God, it's going to impact every area of our lives and every relationship we have. That's why love is first. So do you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind? Do you want to? And do you love your neighbor as yourself? Now, if we truly answer yes to those questions, or if we truly say that we want to love God that way, it's going to change our lives. Um, there's a sense in which you know, we should have maybe a sense of holy fear of saying, what's my life going to look like? If I give everything about me to God, what's my life going to look like? Well, guess what? Let's jump on board with whatever it is that God has for us. He loves us, and he has good plans for us. 
These are difficult and even impossible on our own. We need God's help. We need the Holy Spirit. But God can strengthen us to live like this as we remain in Jesus, as we keep in step with the Holy Spirit. God loves us perfectly. Why would we settle for a half-hearted love for him or for our neighbors? Let's love him with all our heart, soul, and mind. Let's love our neighbors as ourselves. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you that you love us so much. We, we thank you that you sent Jesus for us. We thank you that you continue to lead and guide us. And we thank you for these commands to love you with all our heart, soul, and mind and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Please help us to obey and follow those commands. Lord, would you strengthen us? Would you help us to, to meet with you? Would you reveal yourself to us as we meet with you? Would you transform our hearts to love like you do? That our love for you might be worthy of you that we would please you in every way with our love for you. And as we love you, God, and as we interact with people around us, I pray that we would love them as we love ourselves, that we would see their needs, and that we would help out, that we would show your love to them. Lord, we know that we can't do this on our own, so I pray that we wouldn't even try to do it on our own, but that we would, by faith, walk with you in a love relationship with you because you love us so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.